to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and uh, Micah and Sam are traveling. They're doing their important things that they do, great work that they do. So I've got my friend Matt Swoboda on today. What's up, Matt? What's up, man? It is good to be back. It's been a while. I feel like I got two, I got big shoes to fill when I have to replace both Sam and Micah. Both of them. Both Especially because Micah's like a Micah giant. has huge feet anyways. You know, yeah. 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 Um, I don't exactly know what they're doing. I know that they're like, a lot of times people will say, well, what do they do when they're off the, well, a lot of times it's like they teach seminars or they're, you know, um, Sam teaches seminary. And so they do a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm just not smart enough to go do all that stuff that they do. I think they really just wanted to give you a chance to hang out with me again. I Absolutely. Think that's what it was. Absolutely. So Matt is a church ops guy. That's that's what you do. Uh, you advise churches, coach them. What what word do you use for that? Uh, I usually use coaching. If for me, yeah. it's like I look at it all, like every relationship I have with a church more as like a partnership. Uh-huh. And maybe it's just because I'm I'm like under the age of forty five that I right. shy away from consultant language. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it. It does sound weird if you say consulting. Um, you know, and you've you've gotten really busy here lately. I know that because you know. Half of my friends are all using you as a consultant. <laughs> hey, that's a big thanks to you. I need to send you more stuff. <laughs> yeah. I but yeah, love man, it. it's been fun. I, I got to start with like nine new churches just in January. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. And I mean, you know, clearly, and I, I'm sure you have a bunch of other stories, but I have a friend in Texas who recently started using you guys, seeing very similar results that we were seeing just a renewed health just some clarity a vision those sort of things and he's extremely excited about it i am as well he's a good friend of mine and um so i was happy that you guys got connected but those are fun right i mean when you hear the stories of the churches actually doing well it it is a blast obviously just to get to know pastors and get to uh you know know them their story their heart uh, their church you know uh, in depth and then to really get to start working along together and man being three months in and being able to point to man look what this has happened this has happened this has happened and just see both you know the spiritual fruit side and then also just the just like the physical evidence of man things are getting more efficient and stronger and healthier and and you know growing Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. So this is the cool thing. If you're listening to EST, you get a little bit of, uh, I guess, free advice, some free coaching. Oh, well, that's really what the whole show is anyways. So um, we're kind of coaching folks along. And so Matt's going to jump in here and share a little bit of his wisdoms. Uh, We're going to talk about ministry teams, building ministry teams. Now, in this, are we talking about staff teams? Are we talking about volunteers or both or some sort of combination? Uh, volunteers, pure okay. volunteers today. All right, which is perfect because the vast majority of churches are single staff or right. very few staff, and so the majority of what we do is held up through a ministry team or is you know facilitated. And I often hear, or and there have been times when I have thought in the past, man, if I just had more staff, I could get things done. But maybe it was an underutilization of volunteers. It wasn't so much I needed paid staff. I just needed to better lead those who are volunteering. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, I've, and I saw that in my own ministry. You know, it's like anytime you're tired or worn down or you feel like, oh, man, I just don't have time to get to everything. You think, well, if, if I just had another staff member, all my, uh-huh. all my problems would be solved. Right. Yeah. And uh, it never actually quite works that way. No. And although I love staff, like I'm one of those weird lead pastors who love my staff and I love my deacons. Both of them are fantastic. Uh, but with staff come a whole nother slew of challenges and issues that you have to deal with all the time. So it's not just a, you know, a positive net gain. A lot of times it'll balance out. You do get to do more. And I'm not saying that staff aren't a blessing and resource, but it's not all rosy as some folks would say. No, that's, yeah, that's for sure. It bring you know, every, uh, it brings its own set of problems and, and, and difficulties and, and that can, staff can suck away your time. Sure. Uh, sometimes just as much as staffed. free you up time and give you some margin. Yeah, so let's talk about volunteers, ministry teams. What are some of the struggles that you've seen churches deal with? Uh, you know, as they're as they're, what are they doing wrong when it comes to volunteerism? Well, one man, I, like just to even start a little bit before that is, uh, you know, sometimes pe- people just look at ministry teams or volunteer teams, whatever you call them. I typically call them ministry teams, um, just a you know, they're volunteer ministry teams. But um, man, a lot of times people just kind of look at them as a necessary evil. Of like, well, we got to have people to do this. Like, we can't have church if we don't have people sitting in the kids' ministry. Or right. we got to have someone out helping figure out where parking is. Or, or I mean, we want to be a welcoming church. So, so we got to have somebody, you know, <laughs> at the front yeah. door. Rather than like, man, we actually have this vision of people filled with the Holy Spirit, using their spiritual gifts, doing the work of the ministry. Oh, yeah. And... It, I was like, man, this, you know, it's like the whole Simon Sinek thing. Like, well, we got to start with the why. Well, man, the why is Ephesians 4. Mm. You know, it's like we, we had an axiom at our church uh, that just said, I, we stole it from somebody, so it wasn't original to us, but it just said, we just said to a staff, hey, you can get fired for doing ministry. Mm. And what we meant was your job you is not to job. do all yeah. the work. Right. You know, your job is to equip people. Ephesians 4 style to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And man, I just found that all the time with staff when they felt like, man, I am just wore out. And we would dig into it and it was always like, well, man, that's, you're trying to do everything. Sure. Your job's not to be the hero. Your job's not to be a superstar. You know, your job's not to be all, you know, to be all things for everybody all the time. I mean, your job is Ephesians 4. Let's equip people to use the spiritual gifts and the passions that God's given them. Yeah. And I'll then often we'll say, really uh, see the kingdom, you know, see some incredible kingdom work. Right. I'll often say it's not your job to do ministry. It's your job to make sure ministry gets done. Now, I understand oh, I as that. believers, you should minister in those sort of things. But And it's a little bit of shock value, but it does help uh, ministers see that, oh, yeah, there's a massive part of this. This isn't what we have to do. This is what we're doing. We're equipping people to go do that. That's, that's the whole thing. And so whether it's greeting or children's ministry or you know, hospitality team, getting coffee ready, ready or parking lot crew. Everybody is using their gifts. They're, they're strengthening themselves to do the work of the kingdom. Um, also, since you mentioned Ephesians 4, I am obligated by friend contract to mention that uh, Micah's new book is all about Ephesians 4, leveling the church. And uh, you can get that wherever you get books. So there's my plug for Micah's book right in the middle of that. So I have not read it yet. So I'm, I'm sorry, Micah, but I have gotten it. I'm leading. I, the, I will be reading it. I'm leading our paid staff through it uh, this year, chapter a month, and there's a free kind of downloadable on Moody Publishers' website uh, discussion guide that Jeremy Maxfield, the co-author, wrote. And uh, so 
that's going to be helpful. We're really excited to go through that. Um, so. No, it's awesome. So the first thing that folks do, I guess, is just it's a bad mindset. It's an upside down mindset of what ministry teams do. Yeah, and I think like even sometimes, you know, I, I was uh, working with a guy that, uh, you know, it's like they, they even had the right heart, but uh, just a little misguided. You know, it, it, he, he always struggled with, I mean, I just hate asking people to do more. Mm. And it's like, they're so busy. They have jobs. They have kids. They do this. They do that. And, and essentially what he was doing was he was saying everybody's no for them. So right. he just felt guilty of like, I don't even want to ask them to do anything. But he had this, like, so the heart was, man, I, want to, I don't want to burden this person. So, that, I mean, that was the right heart, but, man, it's such a wrong mentality in the sense of you're not burdening somebody to invite them in to partaking in kingdom work. Yeah. Like, people who have been, you know, born again, they're renewed, they're followers of Jesus, they want to serve Jesus, and they want to serve the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to say there are no forum, and it's not like we're saying, "Hey, you need to do this." We're inviting them in, right? You know, you share the why, man. This is why we're doing what we're doing. I would love for you to be a part of it. Well, then nobody feels like you are just loading me up with burdens, yeah. <laughs> you know. But that's like the fear I think a lot of people feel when it's time to, man, let's go out into our our church and figure out. Man, who are the people that God might raise up in order to really lead this ministry? Yeah, and that shift um, has really helped me in the way that I talk about ministry in sermons or even recruiting and uh, just kind of encouraging people to sign up for this team or to get plugged into that team. It's like we have a really cool opportunity where, like, if you're just kind of techie, there's there's all sorts of uh, ministry opportunities here in the second family that you can be a part of. And so when you're saying it like that, mm-hmm. when you believe that, you'll right. say it like that. Yep. And then people want to be a part of that. If you think of it as anything that's fun, like nobody wants to be fouled, uh, but you want to play basketball, right? You're just going to we're, we're going to play. You don't say, hey, come over here. I mean, sometimes people foul. Sometimes you'll miss your shot. You know, you don't say right. it. You just say, hey, <laughs> do you want to play basketball with us? All the things that could go wrong during the yeah. basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so if, could you imagine, like, if a coach was introing a bunch of kids to basketball and they're like, hey, okay, let's talk about all the junk. And you just got to have a good attitude because you're going to get fouled. You're going to miss your shot in front of everybody, like your family and everything. It's just you're not going to do good. Nobody does that. No. It's like – Let's shoot, pass the ball, play, run. It's fun. Have, Have fun. Have fun. That's right. Yeah. And so ministry is that way. And I think we all know that. We enjoy this. I hope we do. I do. Yeah. So you're inviting other people like, this is fun. Come yeah, be a part right. of it. And that's why I always tell people like, man, never recruit out of need. Always recruit out of vision. Mm. Never. You know, I, that's fantastic. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, you miss it or people miss it. I, I remember sure. seeing an email once uh, that one of my team members sent out. That was like, we need kids volunteers at this hour. Uh And I'm like, well, I've never been less compelled to do anything in my entire (laughs) life than respond to that email talking about the desperateness of need. You know, what what that says to me is we have this this, uh, ship that is sinking uh, Mm, quickly mm. and we would like you to hop on board. Everybody run towards the fire. (laughs) Nobody wants to run towards the fire. No. Unless there's marshmallows. So I was like, man, if we believe in what we're doing, man, we should be able to cast vision for it. Yeah, and like man, this is the this is the life change that happens in it, and this is uh, this is how we're partnering with what God is doing in our church mm-hmm. and and advancing the kingdom. What a huge shift! See it as an opportunity, encourage them to be a part of something, 
um, that they want to be a part of. We know they want to. They just don't know it yet. And when they get into it, they'll they'll enjoy that. So what's yeah. next? What after that? Well, man, and then I think there's like uh, there's even some like some areas that, that we can kind of uh, kind of miss uh, is we don't really know how to like structure a team. Mm. It's kind of like well, we just man, come on, I just need you to you know let's say it's like a connections team or first impressions or guest services, and they're like well, come on, and like I just need a greeter. So like if you can just show up like 15 minutes early. Mm. Well, man, the person never has like a, a job description that really gives them clarity of like, man, this is what we're going for. This is uh, this is really well. This is our aim. This is what it looks like to succeed in in this role. Here, here's the language we like to greet our guests in. There's just not like that kind of organization and direction given. And so sometimes you know you get people at the front door like my job's to open the door for people, you know and they look miserable the whole time you know it's like hey man if you're happy and you know it tell your face you know <laughs> smile at people say hello to people <laughs> you know yeah. shake yeah. their hand like if you see them several weeks they might even uh, receive a hug you know yeah. <laughs> who knows the the endless possibilities of what it could look like to you know to welcome uh, welcome these people but they you know people have to have direction you know they have to have that organization and that direction to really know this is how I fit. Right. This is how I fit into the big picture, the why, what's being done. This is how this is where this role fits, and this is how I can really uh, have an impact in doing in doing uh, what I've been invited to. Right. I uh, was training some greeters one time, and I kind of quipped that ninety nine point nine percent of every single person that comes to our campus can open a door. Every one of them. They opened one to get in the car. They opened one to get out of their house. <laughs> they shut it too. That's not their need. And so I don't need any door openers. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Great. Door opening is a thing to do while you greet them because there's a huge chunk of those people that were not told that they are valued or mm-hmm. loved or mm-hmm. hugged or touched in like a, you know, a healthy, meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And so that is what they need, and that is what you can do. And uh, when you shift that to say, they don't need to open, they can open the door. All of our doors work. They're self-explanatory. It's not hard. And so that's not the need. What the need is, is that person, human to human, I'm glad you're here, um, and communicating that as a church and as an individual. And so it's, again, that shift from what am I doing and how do I fit into the whole of the church and what everything yeah. else is going on here? Yeah. One of the things I often share is that, you know, the numbers are varied, and I'm sure you've got one as well, but the the time frame it takes a person to make a decision on whether or not they're coming back to a church, you know, it's just like, it's really short. And uh, Yeah, say it's under two, like two to three minutes. Yeah, so, so if it's two to three, say it's 20 minutes, it doesn't matter, the... It's two to three minutes, which I often tell our greeters is way before they've heard one song, way, way before they've heard me preach. They've already decided. And so Mm -hmm. you are much more impactful on whether or not they're going to come back. And if they don't come back, we can't get them into small groups. They won't hear the gospel. They won't be connected into community. So you're one of the most important things that we do. But again, it's, you know, I don't want to talk just about greeters, but the idea is showing people it's not just a small little thing that's not a big deal it's a huge deal and it means something to people so yeah i mean and that's i mean and that is that's like that is what's about every team though you know from your worship team to your kids team and man how how was that kids experience 
If oh, that yeah. kid walks out and goes, Mom, I do not want to come back here, do you think that, that family is going to be back? Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Even if the mom was like, that sermon was great. Usually mm-hmm. if the kid was like, that was terrible. You know, right. I, I did not have fun. Somebody was mean to me. My teacher, like, you know, uh, just lectured for 40 minutes. Sure, that family is yeah. not going to be back. Yeah. And that's where it's like building strong ministry teams is so vital because you can preach faithfully and really well and, and, and maybe even have great worship and not be able to even have the time to build relate to retain families to build relationships for them to actually be discipled Mm -hmm. and sometimes we want to go to step eight before we've taken those first seven it's like well we you know we're all about discipleship where you can't disciple anybody who chooses not to come back yeah yeah i hear that a lot it's like you know these things don't matter um like a beautiful campus or greeters or like certain style of music or so those don't matter what matters is the preaching of the word of god and i said i get that and i'm with you i'm there that matters but not to them they don't they're not they're not believers right. yet yeah, and yeah. so the things that matter to them are like am i valued do do you care uh, like am i comfortable are my kids safe yeah. those things matter to them and so yeah. there's a disconnect there that's right. yeah that's yeah. you can't ever that's get them really to the good. word if you just didn't get them in the door or and I'm not saying that people have to come to church to get saved. They can get saved in their their living room, you know. But you're going to have to have those relationships, and it's not just a matter of preaching. Yeah, there's a book I read. I think it's called, um, uh, gosh, it's like uh, Effective Staffing for Missional Churches or something like that. Huh. And it shares a stat that, it, that says uh, if somebody – Develop. Somebody has to develop six to seven meaningful relationships in their f- first ninety days, and if they do that, they're like seventy-four. There's like a seventy-four percent chance that they're still at your church in two years. Wow. And what that tells me is like, well, man, for you to have a re- for you to really be able to start discipling somebody, they got to be at your church for at least two years. Uh, I mm. know we all wish, like, man, my sanctification process well, it was a solid three months. You know, <laughs> that, would, that would be great <laughs> for me personally, for everybody. I beat but, up Paul. Yeah, but to really have a, a chance to disciple someone, they got to be there at least two years. Yeah. And, man, a strong ministry teams are what at least start that to where it's like there's an opportunity for people to establish those six to seven meaningful relationships in those first 90 days. And so it's like, man, do you have teams to facilitate that? Do you have a yeah. system and a process to facilitate that? Because you don't even have a chance to disciple somebody if you get really if you haven't put an emphasis on having strong and healthy and vibrant ministry teams wow yeah that's so helpful what else man well man and that's what i think like well what does a strong and healthy ministry team look like how do you structure <laughs> you know? that so yeah. it's like i don't know man okay so it's organized well just organization doesn't do anything and i like to like sit uh volunteers down and just say man what is it what does an amazing ministry team look like and honestly, it's one of those questions, like, I think we assume that we kind of know, but we've never really, like, put it down on paper. And we've never kind of, so we've never really been able to cast that vision to those volunteers of, well, I mean, th- this, is what, this is what it looks like. And you do that, and people start saying things like, well, man, when I'm serving on scene, I like it to, like, I like it to have some energy and be fun. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. show up and just be like, oh, here's the hard work I have to do for an hour. Yeah. And it's like, man, uh, uh you have an amazing ministry team like when people are passionate about what they're doing because they actually understand the vision and they understand the why and you have an, they'll say things like man I, I, it's, I feel like it's a great ministry team when I honestly I just feel cared for by my leader and I'm able to care for other people and there is that strong like relational community 
you know aspect and and i understand what we're doing what the kingdom impact comes out of what we're doing and it's so nice like man let's just sit down with the team and just say what does it look like to be an amazing ministry team and then everyone just has buy-in of like man i can bring those things i can make sure man i'm i'm having fun um and i'm making sure man are people around me just enjoying this experience of serving together yeah and that we're passionate about what we're doing and that we understand the vision and we're caring for each other and we're building relationship and community out of it and we love the kingdom impact and we're constantly be rem- reminding ourselves and each other about the the kingdom impact you know that that comes out of it um because when you don't keep those things like on the forefront it really does just feel like man serving jesus you know I, i'm just i'm showing up to the my, the my pastor said i'm supposed to do this and so mm-hmm. i show up and i do that well, man, that's yeah. just not going to last forever. They're going to be gone in six months. Right, yeah. Because it's not fulfilling. It's not mm-hmm. fun. And so if those things aren't there, people will find something else that is fulfilling and fun. Yeah. I used to tell people, hey, listen, if you start getting fake sick every Saturday night because you're not wanting to come in and serve, you know, and yeah. serve on the team exactly. that you're on, yeah. like, please j- don't disappear. Just uh-huh. tell me you hate serving on that team, and we right. will try to find something that better matches what you are actually passionate about, what you do enjoy, and, and you know, uh, and it give you more opportunity, to, you know, to, to build some relationship. Uh, yeah, and again, this goes sick and disappear. Sure, this goes back to those who would believe that, like, well, there's an obligation. You do this out of obligation or discipline, or you know, I don't know. Just there, there's this, there's this thing that you have to fulfill because you've been loved, because you've been redeemed. So serve God, you know, Christ, and get over it. Well, that's true, and uh, there is an element to that, and, and that gets us through some of the like when it's less than fun, but. This is fun and it is fulfilling. So why not also bring that into the equation there instead of just the discipline or the obligation side of thing of uh, you know serving Christ and the Lord? Yeah, I mean we should not feel like oh man, in order to serve, serving has to feel like suffering. It's hmm. <laughs> not know? pious. Like, I mean, yeah. There's a, there's plenty of suffering and uh, trials of various kinds. Uh, serving on a team. Does not He's have not to be, <laughs> you know, one of those. You don't You're get, not suffering for the Lord. Yeah, you don't, you don't get like extra bonus in heaven by right, creating right. miserable mm. ministry teams and like sticking through it. Right, right. There's the, those who, you know, starve to death, those who were persecuted, and you who served one hour every month for yeah. the, the nursery. Yeah. And hated it's every minute, but not kept showing up. Wow. What a, what a saint. Hebrews 11. So... Yeah. Cool. So structuring the team. The world was not worthy of that person who hated kids, but <laughs> who served in the their one hour. every Sunday. <laughs> that's right. So structuring it, you're, you're saying to just, and I think that's a really cool thing, get the top ones in there. If it's a huge team, get the top ones in there. Or, you know, if it's a team, five, six people, and just say, what would it, if you were serving on a team that was fulfilling and fun, what would that look like? How do we do that? What are some elements of that? I think yeah, that's cool. and it just brings out of people like, oh man, this is what this is supposed. This is what this is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And then they realize like, well, because then it's not just being taught down to them. They're realizing, oh, I can do that. I can provide that. I can care for for each other. Hmm. And do you go in to this kind of conversation with any um, like a couple nuggets you're going to make sure get across? Yeah, I do. Like, I have my own list, you know, which is essentially kind of like what I ran through. But typically, when I do this, I don't even have to bring out the list. Like, these things come out. Uh-huh. Because you usually have that mixed, you know, group of people where some people are like, man, I just want it to be organized and structured so I know what I'm supposed to do. 
because they're just like afraid of doing something wrong <laughs> you know <laughs> you and then there's other people who are more like me like an enneagram seven is like i just wanted to i just want it to be fun I just, it just uh-huh. needs to be energetic fun i want to be passionate about it you know and then there's those other people who are like well they've actually served for a while in some various instances and and they realize kind of the heart change that happens and they, they talk about the impact and so i have kind of my own list but uh, but I really rarely have to bring it out because pe- like the group of people really highlight all the most important things. The, the one I typically do have to highlight is just more that vision and that like the why is clear because they're, they're not typically thinking about that, that big picture side of it. What about things like accountability? Like, hey, you know, eventually if you're just kind of mean, we're going to ask you to step aside or something like that. So do you ever do that or is it just uh, focusing on the positive will negate that anyways? Uh, you mean like, when, are you trying to like correct a volunteer? Well, just when you're setting up the 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 beginning, when we're clearly saying oh, here's yeah, the, yeah. here's the expectations, there will be a level of accountability in this. Yeah, there's like there yeah, and there should be count accountability and coaching. You know, it's like right. everybody, sh- we ought to be growing in in whatever role we're playing. Okay, and, so for our listeners that are like, man, I love this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my team, my youth workers together, you know, something like that. And we're going to go through this. Just go through real quick, like one word, those things that you would want to make sure get into the conversation. Yeah. So, so like, you said vision. Uh, essentially, the the eight I use uh-huh. is like, man, it needs to be fun. People okay, need to be fun. passionate about it. Uh-huh. You need to have clear vision for it. People okay. need to feel cared for. It needs to be organized. There has to be strong relational community. Uh, uh, and then you know some some language of like that kingdom impact like people got to see here's the impact of what I'm doing, hmm. and then there there needs to be development and accountability to what's happening. So wow. those okay. are the one that's like my list. Yeah, and I think that's super helpful to kind of like I mean it's great to brainstorm and stuff like that, but I mean we've all been in those brainstorming sessions where you've got like 45 minutes to talk about it, and you all spent 30 minutes talking about how cool you want a shirt, and that's like awesome, and we're we're gonna get shirts, but these are the other things that really matter. You know, these are the things that we want to make sure that we cover. So I think that um, those who are trying this for the first time will find that list helpful. So. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I so I wrote up like a free uh, it's a free ebook that anybody yeah. can go and get. Where do you and get I, it? Uh, you get it at my website. So it's just churchopsgroup.com slash ministry teams. If you do that, you'll get you, you can you can just download the free ebook right there. Perfect. And I had like that list in the ebook. I'm just yeah. like, hey, here's the process to start building strong ministry teams. And yeah. it is, it's like, man, brainstorm with your team. And then, you, you know, you can lead them to, man, lead them to evaluate and implement. Like, man, out of those, out of that list, what areas do you feel like you're strong? And what, er- and what areas do you feel like, man, I could use a little work there to help make this team better. And mm-hmm. it just lets people kind of self-identify, oh, man, these are these attributes and characteristics that I really can help this team be as healthy as possible. And, and then also highlight, okay, uh, maybe I don't need to come in as a downer every time. <laughs> you know, maybe, or maybe, or, or it's to self-identify, man, I'm actually, I am that energetic and fun person, but I recognize like my communication is really inconsistent and it's not very organized. And I can see how that can be frustrating for somebody. So I need to put some rhythms in place to make this more organized for my, for the other volunteers or for my team. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. It's good stuff. So we don't have a ton of time to unpack a whole nother topic, and I'm sure all of it's covered in the ebook. But let's say uh, right after we've got a, I guess it's a proper understanding of volunteerism or ministry as volunteers, lay leaders get to do it. 
and then structuring the team. You've got buy-in there from the very beginning. What's one more kind of truth to unpack here, share with everybody? So for me, like just to give that clarity to the team, I, I always teach like to create a playbook for each team. So that essentially, and this is how pastors, especially pastors are like, man, there's only one or two of us staff members. Mm-hmm. Well, man, if you're, that you can't sit there and train, you don't have time to sit there and train somebody, every single person. But if you can create a playbook that other volunteers can go through with them, that just kind of give the, give the, all those expectations. It gives the why of the team. It, yeah. it helps them understand the culture of the church. It gives them the expectations for what does it look like to serve on that actual team, the trainings that happen, how scheduling works, what time they show up and where, what it means to live out the job, uh, to live out the culture, and what it looks like to uh, to you know go through a job description with them. I was mm. like, man, if you just create a playbook, that's the way you can actually multiply the ministry. Because it can wow. be overwhelming hearing, oh, I got to do this with every, you know, if you're one or two staff members, I mean, how am I going to do this with every single ministry team? Or how am I going to sit on every single new person and make sure they have all this understanding and all of this awareness? You know, nobody can do that alone. But if you'll create a plan, and how to do that is in the, in the ebook as well, but if you can just create a playbook for each team, you're able to raise up one volunteer who's been on that team for a while. And man, their whole role can be, Man, coach, coach and onboard these other volunteers to mm-hmm. help them know what it looks like to just serve in a really healthy way on this team. Yeah, and I would, I would encourage any uh, ministers or pastors out there who are thinking, you know, I'm a one-staff uh, church, or there's just a couple of us, like you're saying there, is to just make the list of all the volunteer teams and then prioritize them. So for me, the if I was walking into a church, the first two that I would want to like I'm, I'm going to spend this whole next year creating that playbook, having these discussions and stuff would be the greeter or the first impressions team and the small group leaders. Those two teams are the ones that I want to be most trained, most carrying the culture, most out there uh, well done. You know, and so if you spend if you just prioritize your list and say, hey, the first year I'm just focusing on these two, we'll get around to the other teams and those sort of things like next gen, next year, I'm going to do next gen teams, students, and children's and all that next year, but be okay with, you don't have to roll out, right? I can see some personalities wanting to write those guidebooks for every team and right. then having a massive training and a big dinner. And it's like, yeah. that, that'll that get there later, you know? Yeah. And you'll learn stuff in the first couple that you'll tweak later yeah. on. Well, man, and even like if you're a pastor and you're in that spot, I mean, don't try to get together with every team one, uh, one by one. Man, have mm-hmm. one big team night where you invite mm-hmm. all the ministry teams and, and yeah. brainstorm as a whole group. Hey guys, what, you know, what does it mean to be, be a part of an amazing ministry team? What would that look like? And you can actually knock out that whole brainstorm section and then kind of teach on the eight, eight things or so just with everybody in the room one time. Yeah, because they're going to be transferable. Oh, that's right. All, yeah, those all of things, those basics. It's, it's every team. Yeah. yeah. And then you can work on the like what time we get here if you're a small group leader you know some of those specific responsibilities that apply to them that don't apply to you know parking lot team or something yeah the like kids that. team so, and the worship team is going to look extremely yeah. different in that sense yeah so, so you, you can flesh yeah, those so out i'm with you man creating yeah. that playbook like man hit that that guest services team your your groups team and then i would say like your kids right after mm-hmm. that your kids team and mm-hmm. usually the largest teams in every church is typically the kids ministry and then that guest services team yeah and it's like, man, do those. And then, you know, you can, as long as there's that vision cast of what it looks like to be a part of a healthy team, 
Well, those those teams, uh, you're still going to get the ball further down the field with them, even if it's like, man, in a year, we're gonna have like really solid templates for what that looks like, really good playbooks. You know, you don't you don't have to. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and so I love yeah. your suggestion of like, man, just pick those two or three uh, more critical areas and just start there. Yeah, yeah, because there'll be momentum once you get those things going. So. Hey, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, you can jump over on Matt's website at churchops. What is it? Churchopsgroup.com slash ministry teams. And that's how you can get the ebook. Yeah. You can find out more about Matt and follow him at the churchopsgroup.com. And uh, then, of course, get that re- free resource there as well as go out and find uh, Micah Jeremy's new book, Leveling the Church, which would apply to a lot of this, some of that mentality, some of the theology behind the practicality that Matt has shared with us today. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Matt. Yeah, man. Love it. Yeah. So I'll catch you next time. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you later. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.